The Empire has been filling a sizable chunk of the galaxy for more than a thousand years. After a brief four years as a republic, the Empire of Achenar, under its 16 emperors, has spread out to encompass several thousand star systems. Far larger than the Alliance of Independent Systems, its only real rival is the Federation. Yet, it is currently ruled by an emperor who's been missing for more than a year. The continuing invisibility of Emperor Arisa Livini Duval cannot help but make us wonder what might happen in the unthinkable eventuality that the Emperor's body has been in cold storage for more than a year and that Chancellor Blaine has been making up those statements about what Her Majesty thinks and wants. Perhaps she's not quite in the freezer yet, but failing to show your face for such a long time is a sign of weakness and the Empire doesn't really like weak leaders. So, in the event that Arissa is discovered to be politically or biologically deceased, what will happen to the Empire? Who will be Emperor number 17? Or will those pesky pro-democracy campaigners, the Marlinists, get their way and install a system of government by the people for the people? Arissa Lavigny was proclaimed emperor six years ago in October 3301, less than a year after she discovered that she was not, after all, the daughter of the late socialite Prince Aristide Lavigny, but was in fact the illegitimate daughter of Emperor Hengist, who was at the time clinging on to life as the 15th emperor, and Florence Lavigny. Back then, there was no waiting for the old emperor to die before putting the gloves on and competing for the succession. The rumour mill is clear on the point that it was only after Rissa had nobbled Hengist that the emperor pronounced his son Harold to be not of sound mind and disowned him as potential emperor material. It is true that Mad Prince Harold led a somewhat dissolute lifestyle, but a love of Chateau d'Agion... Camitra cigars and loose women is hardly a bar to becoming emperor, as can be seen by Hengist's own record of having children by a variety of partners. Crossing Harold off the list meant that his daughter, Princess Ashling, became a contender for the top role. But the young princess had and continues to have challenging views on the matter of slavery believing the subjugation of one person's liberty to the service of another to be fundamentally wrong. In an empire entirely built on the foundations of indentured labour, this seemed dangerously close to sedition. Chancellor Blaine, who served the same role as adviser to and mouthpiece of the 15th emperor as he does to the incumbent Erissa, made it very clear that Emperor Hengist favoured Arissa as his successor, as did, entirely coincidentally, Blaine himself. And in April 3301, at around the time when an attempt was made to tamper with the Emperor's medication, and well before Hengist was murdered in an unfortunate incident involving one of Senator Denton Petraeus's entourage and a knife... Arissa was rallying the people of the Empire and filling the void left by an entirely absent Emperor. 
Both senators Petraeus and Torval were considered possible would-be assassins of Emperor Hengist, possibly prompted by plans to get Arissa's mother Florence married to the dying emperor to seal Arissa's place as Hengist's legitimate successor. Paul Darius's stabbing of the emperor brought the marriage plans to an abrupt and unsuccessful conclusion in early August 3301, but Chancellor Blaine nonetheless made it very clear that the Senate should take Hengist's wish that Arissa should succeed him as emperor very seriously indeed. And when Senator Petraeus, who had indirectly been responsible for Hengist's death, and who may have entered into a deal for clemency, threw his support behind Princess Arissa, and when Princess Ashling and Chancellor Blaine were both wrongly implicated in the Emperor's Dawn movement, a movement that sought to destabilise the Empire and that wanted a return to more traditional values, Arissa's coronation became almost a formality. She was announced 16th Emperor on the 6th of October 3301. Jumping forward six years, we find ourselves once again with an Emperor who is absent and who speaks through the mouthpiece of Chancellor Blaine. The modern equivalent of Emperor's Dawn, Nova Imperium, appears to have faded into insignificance, but there is a new illegitimate child of the apparently prolific Emperor Hengist to stir things up. Prince Hadrian de Waal, the illegitimate grandson of Hengist and his son Hector have an arguably stronger right to the throne than Arissa and the very fact that there is a child and a male child at that works strongly in Hadrian's favour, at least among the more traditional members of imperial society. Both Arissa and Ashling are notably lacking in the child department, so there's unlikely to be a direct succession. From the limited choice of Hadrian, Ashling, Torvald, Blaine and Petraeus, Hadrian seems a pretty good certainty to become the 17th Emperor. Should, of course, the present incumbent vacate the throne, willingly or otherwise. But what if there should be another scandal? What if someone in high places should be found to have been consorting with the enemy? Just as the entirely baseless association of Ashling and Blaine with Emperor's Dawn wrecked their shot at becoming the 16th Emperor, anyone found to have been involved with the neo-Marlinist Liberation Army is unlikely to find their coronation blessed by the Senate. Ashling blotted her copybook through association with Stop Slavery Stupid and Unchained, and Hadrian was for a time the puppet of Imperator Mordanticus at the head of the ultra-isolationist Nova Imperium. But the NMLA is a far, far more devastating stumbling block for a would-be emperor. Someone high up in the empire, and particularly someone with intelligence connections, is believed to have been involved in the escape of Theta-7 from the Serene Harbour Interrogation Centre, and there have been recent claims that the dark comms network used by the NMLA was copied with insider knowledge from the empire's own secure network. While the NMLA have some known sympathisers, neither the Landgrave of Madrid, who is in a Marlinist detention facility, nor Senator Lorcan Scordato, who attempted to provide representation for the Marlinists within the Imperial Senate, seem to have the high-level political clout to provide the NMLA with those lucky breaks. Hadrian has previously been accused of assisting the NMLA, although the attempt on his life and the bombing of his home starport in Pereza seemed to have subsequently absolved him of suspicion. 
But what if it's a false flag operation? What if Denton Petraeus has been secretly funding the NMLA to give him something to shoot at and to justify greater defence spending? What if Senator Torval is attempting to shake up the empire to allow a clampdown on liberal do-gooders? What if the Emperor herself, or more likely Chancellor Blaine, have some ulterior motive for stirring things up in the Empire? If any of these possibilities could be proved true, and one of them probably is true, then it'll likely shake up the future of the Empire and the succession. The Marlinists, the peaceful Republicans who long for the return of the egalitarian principles of Marlin Duval's Republic of Achenar, are unlikely to trouble the Empire ever again. But the NMLA, even if they really have been routed, defeated and eliminated, as so many believe, may still, through their as yet unrevealed associations with senior Imperials, have a lasting impact. It seems likely that we'll find out more in the coming months. Possibly before we find out if Emperor Arissa really has spent the time since Mad Prince Harold's funeral in cold storage. <laughs>